Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with C. Scott. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now, today on this show, we got my friend Brandon. Now, Brandon plays in a couple bands. He plays in Mace Ballard, and he is also in Swiss Army. On top of those things, he's also a good, kind-hearted individual and a nice person to fucking talk to. So I had him on the show, and you know what? This is a goddamn good conversation. I think you're gonna like it. Be sure to check out the links in the description if you're not familiar with Brandon's bands, Mace Ballard and Swiss Army. They both have albums that are new, that are either coming out or about to come out or have already come out. Who knows? One way to find out is to check the links and to listen to the goddamn conversation that's about to happen. I don't know why I'm being so aggressive right now. I'm kind of hyper. I'm in a really hyper mood. Ah! I haven't even had coffee today. This is fucked up. But let's get back on track. All right, everybody. Let's just calm down. Let's take a breather. Sit back. Relax. And let's start the motherfucking beat. Do you have some sort of agenda? Why are you here? <laughs> well, I mean, this is the most we've ever talked. So yeah, that's true. I think I think checking that off the list of getting to know you more and and hearing. I mean, I'm not going to flip this around and make this my thing, but <laughs> but this is cool that we get to do this. Yeah, definitely. You're one of many people that I'm sure both of us have in the modern age of friendships that's like internet friends and Mm -hmm. we are pretty aware of what each other are doing on a day-to-day basis in our personal lives and Mm -hmm. creative lives but yeah this is our first like face-to-face conversation of any sorts yeah and i'm glad we're having it as well me too yeah it's great it's good to have you on the show so you are a musician and i will tell you about the first time i saw you perform okay oh boy Okay. It wasn't that long ago. It was the first Strip District Fest. Great. I saw you playing a solo set mm-hmm. with your guitar and singing. Yeah. And I said to myself, wow, that motherfucker can really sing. <laughs> That's nice of you. So, yeah. But uh, when did you get into playing guitar and singing? Well, those two things actually happened at pretty different um, pretty different times. Um so guitar definitely started first. Um, my uncle was a musician. My parents were not musicians. So anytime my uncle was around, he would teach me about 
Motown and he was in a, a big Motown band back in the day and um, he'd share that music with me and I wouldn't really know what to do other than to sit there and listen <laughs> and be polite to my uncle and not have any idea what he was talking about. Um, but I started playing guitar. He bought me my first guitar when I was eight um, and I started sort of fiddling around with it then. Um, I started taking lessons after that, um, which I absolutely hated. Um, but I've been playing guitar since then. I don't know if I've ever met anyone that's taken any sort of lessons for anything. And it's ever been like, you know (laughs) what? That was a great experience. It really shaped me. Yeah, it, it was, well, so, so when I started, I hated, I didn't like my guitar teacher and I didn't like lessons. Uh, and then I sort of, and because I thought my guitar teacher like wanted me to do boring stuff, and he wanted me to play scales and do that kind of stuff, and I like really wasn't interested. Yeah. I wanted to learn how to play songs on the radio and songs that I liked, like any other normal kid that yeah. age. Yeah, I was pretty much pretty much that stereotypical kid who was a nightmare for his guitar teacher. I'm sure. Um, nowadays, I look back and my guitar teacher is amazing and we're friends on Facebook and he's a jazz player and is great. And it's very cool that we can still stay in touch. So if, if he's listening, <laughs> I hope he doesn't think I still hate him. <laughs> I was just, I was just a kid. Um, so, so yeah, I started playing early, uh, when I was eight and, uh, took lessons and, um, started doing that for a while. And, uh, then, uh, so I grew up in South Carolina, so I started playing when I was there. Um, for high school, I came to Pittsburgh. Um, I went to the performing arts school and uh, auditioned to play guitar. Uh, to Which be school? Like an instrumental uh, Kappa? Major. Yeah, okay. yeah, Kappa. Yeah, so I uh, auditioned for that, and luckily they, they liked my um, Metallica cover uh, enough to let me in. What song? Um, I'm pretty sure I played... Uh, um oh actually I think I might have played one because I really cuz I thought that the riff was was really hard. I thought like cuz it was like really nice sounding and it like wasn't a metal song. Um and I feel like maybe I had tricked them with like auditioning <laughs> with like an acoustic guitar with a song maybe they didn't realize what it was. Yeah. Um so I think I played one uh, and then I played like a 12 bar blues or something like like that. Okay. Um so yeah and Kind of the rest was history. I studied guitar there for four years. I went to Pitt, studied music there, um, and have been continuing to study by listening to more people and watching people play. And totally, more people. Where did singing come into the picture then? Singing was fairly recent. So I, the one band I play with, Maze Ballard, I met them via Craigslist. <laughs> you do a lot not. on Craigslist. We, yeah, we, were, we were just talking about <laughs> finding furniture. I find bands. Uh, I don't meet people there. Like I, well, I try not to, but I, you know, I met the guys in Maze Ballard, I guess. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I met the, the Mace Ballard guys on, uh, on Craigslist and that was sort of the first time when I, when we, when I met them, they showed me their songs. I liked them. I was writing some stuff sort of like that at the time. 
we started playing and Chris asked me if I could sing. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. Okay. Let's try. Um, so we started um, singing together and I was singing backups to all of his parts and I could kind of nail it. I've never, I had never sung into a microphone, let alone even really talked too much into a microphone except say weird stuff um, as like banter in between songs and the bands I've been in before. Sure. I wasn't really, I didn't really know what to do. So it was just as a necessity to the band or just yeah. an experiment that worked. Yeah. He was like, we need backups. And I said, I, I'll try. Do you think that you naturally falling into singing comes from like your strong background and studying and just knowing how to like keep a tune or knowing what like a, a note sounds like already? Yeah. I think there's a lot that comes out of that. Um, I think like, when I was when when I was in high school, we had Eurythmics and we took um, vocal classes and stuff like that. Um, we had took music theory where we they made us sing in front of the class notes and stuff. Okay, so like I would never want to do it in front of anyone unless a teacher was telling me to do it. <laughs> so I never really did it outside of that. But I would always sing to myself. You know, I'd sing harmonies to songs on like CDs and stuff, sure. and my headphones and sort of do that, but never out loud too much where most people couldn't hear. So then I'm interested to understand the decision to start writing your own songs and singing. Like when I saw you for the first time, how long had you been playing solo acoustic at that point at the, during the first strip district music fest at that point, uh, Five months. Okay, so it was really new. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I started the venture um, uh, into Swiss Army, which I was sort of my project to where I did everything, where I controlled everything. I wrote the lyrics and sang and played the parts and wrote the songs um, just to see like if that was a thing I could do. Um, if I could sing on my own, because otherwise I had been singing backups and like some second parts yeah. for Miss yeah. Ballard. Um. And it kind of, I got good feedback early on, so I wanted to keep trying to do it. Um, and Strip District Fest was a really cool thing to to be able to do because the exposure, I think, is great. It's a new festival, but it's free, and there's a ton of people at the venue that I played, which was neat because maybe that was the fourth time I had played that music for anyone. So sure. It was really cool. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I appreciate so it. then I saw you with Mace Ballard the first time I saw them, which was actually after that show. Oh. I saw Mace Ballard at the slit when you played with anti-flag mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh, that's that guy from Swiss army. <laughs> and that's that Steve guy that I haven't met in real life yet, but we've been internet friends with for years. And <laughs> Now, since we have met, he's been on the episode and stuff like that. Yeah. So now Swiss Army has evolved as well since the Strip District Music Fest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I added, I added a couple bodies. Um, and we have a, uh, we have a record. Um, I didn't really know that I wanted to do it more than just an acoustic project. I think, uh, that was, I had not thought ahead that far. 
I knew that I had some songs that I needed to write myself and get some things off my chest. And the songs are very personal and some of them are kind of dark and some of them are kind of nice. Um, and, uh, I had no real intention to do anything more with them than write those songs and play them. Um, only until I started loving them more when I would play them and other people would have a reaction. I said, well, maybe this could be a thing. Um, so yeah, I added, uh, added a couple guys. Um, I recorded a, a record, um, with the help of some friends and, uh, it's out now and it's kind of crazy to think, uh, actually, uh, Facebook's a weird thing. And also there's this feature of Facebook or an app that works with Facebook called time hop, which tells you, <laughs> which can destroy you or make you so happy depending on what the thing is it's reminding you about <laughs> that happened. Absolutely. Um, and it happened to make me happy this time around, uh, where it told me like a couple of days ago, it said two years ago was the day I announced that I was doing Swiss army and I was doing a show. So it's been two years pretty much to the day in a couple of days, I guess. Um, that it's happened. So it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. that it's evolved that way. Sure. Them, them babies grow so fast, don't they? That's <laughs> yeah. what they say. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. You don't really, I think when you start something like that, you like to think you have a lot of control over, over it. And you say, no, I'm not going to do ABC. I am going to do, you know, DEF. Uh, and then it never works out that way. Mm -hmm. It just, it does what it wants, I think. Yeah. I think that I went through a, similar unintentional process as far as Sykes goes because I never intended for it to be a full band I didn't really honestly even go out of my way to make it happen mm -hmm. it was just like I had one person come to me and be like hey if you ever want live drums let me know I'm like oh, okay yeah, whatever and then somebody was like, hey, like, if you ever want somebody to, like, play guitar on a song, let me know. I was like, okay, whatever. And then, like, all these people. And then one day I was like, I'm going to see if all these people want to get together at the same time. Yeah. And we did it. And, yeah, it was cool. I wasn't planning on it. And now I'm like, I've done two albums with the band. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, ready to go back to basics, actually. I yeah. want to do something without the band again. Because it's been so long since... I like I I get where you were coming from with like having that control over the mm -hmm. project, but then it being cool to kind of let it go and let other people yeah. start contributing ideas to it. Yeah. But then like now I've gone back and started writing songs again, just completely myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I forgot what this is like. This is so cool. Yeah. Do you see yourself doing something like that? Or are you still just, I mean, this is still so fresh for you. So it's yeah. probably a little soon too. It is. And I, and I have a habit. I like to think I'm a patient guy, but I have a habit of musically n having a little bit of impatience um, and being kind of restless, which I guess. You mean like as a creator? Yeah, I think that. And with, um, with like just doing things like playing shows and, uh, you know, making videos and stuff like that. I get kind of restless if, if we're not just like churning out content all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think what's, what's cool with a project that starts out as a solo project and then evolves into something bigger is that now you have two, two modes that you can flip on and off whenever you want. Sure. So, you know, in, in, in my case, if I want to 
do a couple shows out of town um, solo, maybe the guys can't make it. Yeah. Then the next time I go back, we're full band. They get sort of a different experience with the same music. Mm -hmm. So I think like having a malleable, um, a malleable piece of work like that, where you can perform it in different ways, is is very valuable. Yeah, I totally. Again, I do the same exact thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's awesome being able to always know that you can play a show no matter what. Because I'm the same way. I'll play whatever if somebody offers it to me most of the time. Sometimes against my better judgment, but I'll still like <laughs> play it. Yeah. And uh, we that's a whole other talk that we can get into in a minute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just having that flexibility is really, really cool uh, with what you're doing and what I'm doing. Yeah. But you know, the funny things is we're both in other bands. Like that's really not something that Mace Ballard could do as easily. Yeah. You know, like, no, definitely, and it's not something that gray Walker could do as easily either. Like I'm not going to go like out of screaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's probably a market for that. somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure somewhere, but, yeah. uh, yeah. So it's cool that I think that, but I like also having like the, being in that full big metal band. And I'm sure that mm-hmm. you like being in Mace Ballard, whatever you want to call that type of music. That's like, yeah, that's, that's a whole, that's a, actually another conversation. Okay. So we got to talk about, we got to talk about playing shows that we shouldn't play. Yep. And we got to talk about like what the fuck punk rock is anymore. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Those are two oh, different man. conversations. Yeah. So, good. all right, let's start on a, yeah. Playing shows that you shouldn't play. Yeah. Um, how long have you been performing live in any projects just in general? Um, I would say, I think my first concert was when I was like, and I say, con- I'm, I use the term concert loosely. It was more of a recital for my parents <laughs> oh. and other, my other, my other uh, guitar instructors, kids, parents, um, like 11, I think. Um, and then I started just like playing with friends and stuff like that. And then I started performing a lot more regularly when I got to high school. Sure. Um, so we had, we had, uh, recitals, all school recitals every Friday. So we, wow, that's a lot of, we recitals. performed. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a cool thing that, I mean, they, you really forgot how to be nervous quickly because every Friday you were playing in front of people and, you know, there'd be some weeks you wouldn't play, but they had, you know, those you were playing Friday. guitar mm-hmm. like in the school band or yeah, like, or would, was it like solo performances? I don't know how any of that works. Most of them weren't solo. Most were with the other instrument, some of the other instrumental majors uh, at the school. So sometimes you'd play in the jazz band. Sometimes you'd play in like the guitar orchestra, which was like five guitars playing a five part piece of music. Um, so crazy stuff like that. Um, and I was in like metal bands in high school and I played in like wedding bands and stuff. So, okay. So you just, you've been all over the map. Yeah. As far as performing, there's, it's a cornucopia of experiences that we're both, uh, Somewhere very good and somewhere not the best. Sure. And do you, you <laughs> think that that's probably still the case today? Have you gotten better at being able to turn, uh, determine if a show is going to be like a total tank, <laughs> like before you even accept it? Oh, but you're man. still like, yeah, I think I'm going to play it anyways. Yeah. 
de- I think I'm definitely better at identifying how it's going to go, but I've gotten also better at not really worrying about it too much. Okay. Um, and I think there are times where you should be selective. And so in Mace Ballard's case, we've been around for a, a much longer time than Swiss Army. And we all have full-time jobs, and we sort of can't afford to just take any gig that we can get. We have to be a little selective um, as much as we'd love to play every single day for the rest of our lives, which I think we can all agree we want to do. We have to be kind of selective. So there are definitely times where we've been hit up by a show. We're like, uh, something doesn't sound right. Like whether it's uh, maybe like it's a sketchy promoter or like there are strange details. Like it's a lo- all local show where, you know, tickets are being sold and there's, you have to, mm-hmm. there are like, you get a dollar each ticket that you sell and all that stuff. I'm, like, eh, I'm not really interested in that at all. Um, and then, you know, if when we're booking tours, like tours are always a gamble. Like, how is this going to be? We don't know this promoter, venue, bands, anything. What's that going to be like? And I think in those situations, we're like, we get to play in a city that we haven't been in before. That's already cool enough. If it's weird, it's weird. Fine. We're new. <laughs> we mm-hmm. can we can play a weird show. Sure. I think. Now, being in Mace Ballard, which is, how would you, what genre would you put on Mace Ballard? <laughs> uh, I think like, like, what does Mace Ballard consider itself? Um, I think we're like, I think we call ourselves aggressive punk rock. Um, it's, it's hard, like genre, genres are kind of hard to, at least they're hard for me to identify these days. Um, cause there's so many genres and subgenres and like, I don't know much about like what you would consider like indie and then when it becomes like something else yeah like where the parameters of each of those are it's like it's something that you could easily compare to like it's like like a like a one to ten scale of like spice when you're at an asian restaurant (laughs) oh i like this analogy a lot (laughs) like everybody has like a different tolerance for what they think is spicy. For some people, 10 mm-hmm. people, they're t- like the 10 just still isn't spicy enough. Yeah. And yep. in the same light, some mm-hmm. people, nothing is ever punk enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. And I mean, I think people, sometimes people may get mad if, if we call ourselves punk rock because you listen to us and there's maybe a couple songs where we, it's, sort of punk and i mean i don't know as soon as you as soon as you tell someone else what is punk i don't think it is anymore sure <laughs> i think that's like if you're trying to tell someone what parameters you're supposed to fit into to be that you are immediately discrediting the whole thing mm-hmm. and it doesn't really work then yeah i'm only only thing that reason why i'm like kind of bringing it up is because you know you're talking about weird shows, yeah, and like you know even in Pittsburgh, I'm sure you guys find yourselves on bills that like maybe you feel out of place musically on. Sure, um, mm-hmm. are you someone that are you into that? Because like personally, like I'm like I'm always kind of an oddball on a lot of shows I play, but yeah. I'm not intimidated by that. Mm-hmm. I always feel I always feel like that's honestly more of an advantage than a disadvantage if you uh, yeah play it right. No, I I agree with that. And I think yeah, I think Mace is definitely 
we found ourselves on some some bills where you would just see the lineup and be like, "What is this a variety show or like what, what what's happening here?" <laughs> um, but yeah, because I think like um, there's a lot of mixes and a lot of things that we take. Um, but lot, sort of like a lot of influences that we take. Um, I mean, I was like raised on jazz and Motown and then metal. Um, and then, you know, Steve is, is punk at heart, but listens to, you know, a, a lot of rap music and Limp Bizkit. Like, yeah, we, we, we have a, we have like a sweet tooth for new metal that is, um, that goes pretty deep. Oh yeah. So we try not to bring it up. We try not to like I think incorporate it too much. I think like anybody that is like, in between 25 to 30 right yeah. now yeah. has it. Yeah. If you're into like any sort of alternative music, you're into it. Like yeah. there's, there's at least like one corn song that you like. Oh yeah. If anything. Yeah. It's, it's definitely that. And so I think like we pull from a lot of different places and sometimes our songs sound like, uh, you know, a crazy mix of, of a bunch of things. And sometimes we have to cut it down and, try to nail the feel of the song what we want to do um and yeah like i think i think that some of our stuff is different enough where if we played with a pop band who had you know keyboards and stuff it wouldn't be the end of the world it wouldn't be out of left field. yeah i think there could be i think i think there's everybody can play nice uh within reason i mean if there's like a like a straight up country band that played or like a dj or something although we played a set in baltimore with a dj and it was actually really sweet um so there are things and that's like another thing like we expected that to be real weird and not work and it worked Mm -hmm. so ultimately it comes down to the crowd Mm -hmm. and what they're into Mm. and i always try to relate myself to the people in the crowd and it's like i'm a fucking weirdo and i like all (laughs) different kinds of music yeah you know it's like i play in a metal band i grew up listening to that shit i like weird rap (laughs) i like bjork Mm -hmm. i dj sometimes i'm into all this weird shit yeah what how do i know that you know those people out there aren't into all that shit too yeah yeah you don't and that's kind of the thing they come to see a band and maybe they came to see to support their friends and that maybe that's the reason they're there and they don't really like their type of music. And then you start playing your type of music and that's what they like. Yeah. And that's kind of a neat thing. And you can see it as soon as you start playing, you can see it on their faces who, who in a city that you haven't been in before or people you haven't seen before playing in your town, who's like reacting positively to, to your stuff that and sticking around. And two, I mean, I could be at a show watching a band whose music I don't really care much for, Mm -hmm. but if they're playing well, I'll be into it. Oh, yeah. I'll get something out of it. Like, I can watch any good drummer play for, like, an hour easily. Yeah. The music, I don't care. Like, I can watch a whole Dave Matthews Band DVD and just watch that drummer. Yeah. And be totally satisfied, definitely, because that dude is a psychopath yeah, on the great. drums. Yeah, he's amazing. I think drums. I could watch a good drummer play any any genre of music and just just be enthralled. Mm-hmm. I love drums. I don't know. I'm definitely more yeah. of a rhythm guy. That's probably how I ended up getting into making beats and doing all that yeah. stuff. 
uh, grew up in like apartment buildings, low income, and just like not having the capability to have a drum set. Yeah. And then whenever it's like, oh, you can make beats. Like this is a thing. <laughs> like like it's like I just gravitated towards that. Did you ever have any interest in playing the drums or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've I've actually played drums for a couple bands. Um, kind of one was. So semi-serious one was I was just being greedy and I wanted to play drums because I like to make loud sounds <laughs> so never never as a kid was I ever allowed to play drums um, I lived in the neighborhood where that that just you couldn't you just couldn't do that I gotcha um, but when I got to Pittsburgh I uh, I would always at band practice we would always I'd always play like Lamb of God songs on on drums and stuff and like try to play like Chris Adler but I never could yeah um but yeah, so I, 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 <laughs> you I like tape nickels to your kick drum to get that fucking <laughs> to tone. get the clicky sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would just tune the bass drum up real high and see I, what happened. I had a drummer that like taped coins. Would to he his actually drums. do that? Does yeah. that work? Does it? I mean, I they would the, fall off, but it sounded kind of right. I guess the right. attack. I bet the attack sounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I could, I could pull up those demos for you. That would be great. Yeah, that, that was like my my first first metal band that I was ever in. Yeah, we never played one show. <laughs> but we we did a lot of stuff in the garage. It was actually it was pretty good. I liked it. It was very like a la Pig Destroyer type, Ooh, just yeah. like three piece, fast yelling. Yeah, that was the shit. I still, yeah. I mean, I I haven't played metal music um, very much. Uh, although I I jammed with with Joey at Ruggers on Sunday night, and that was kind of cool. Um, that was really cool. Did you jam uh, some metal? <laughs> We played some heavy stuff, yeah, yeah, and then we played like Weather Channel type music, and it was great. Oh, cool, <laughs> but I kind of I miss like playing metal. My very first show in Pittsburgh was uh, my very first band's sh- first band, uh, first band's first show was at um, that record store on Bates Street, um, Brave New World, yeah, um, and we opened for the Motorcycles and Behind Enemy Lines. And it was crazy. I had no idea. I'm not from Pittsburgh, and I was like 15 years old. I didn't know who these people were. I knew that Abby from the Motorcycles, I don't know if she was on the X yet. Maybe she was. Um, I'd heard she was like on the radio or something, and I thought that was amazing. And she was a celebrity to me. Uh And then I had no idea about the other bands, and Behind Enemy Lines played, and they just destroyed everything. And I just... (laughs) I was like this is the coolest thing i've ever done <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so as a first show that was like the yeah best. i'm glad you got to see some of oakland when it was still a little cool before <laughs> yeah. it was completely swallowed by upmc yeah i didn't get to see, what was the other venue in oakland that was that was big there uh, was the graffiti graffiti and there was also the electric banana oh those are both in oakland and there right. was club laga those were laga was in oakland mm-hmm. wow yeah see i mean i've been here now for 13 years and I don't uh it's uh I still don't know some of the Pittsburgh history that I probably should being in the music scene yeah well I mean a lot of that stuff kind of dried up about 13 years ago Lago was the last one standing besides like Brave New World but Brave New World was like that was also kind of a flash in the pan when it was on Bates Street mm-hmm. because it was a smaller store on Craig Street then it moved to Bates then it moved back to Craig and then I think it eventually closed I, yeah, I, uh, but anyways, <laughs> Oakland was really fucking awesome. 
the original Beehive Coffee was in Oakland. Oh. It was right on Forbes Avenue. There's a, uh, are you familiar? You went to Pitt, so you're familiar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where the uh, American Apparel is in the T-Mobile and that like building that looks like a castle? Yeah. That was the original Beehive. Oh, man. Okay. And it, they had like a movie theater in there. It was two floors. They had pinball and stuff. Holy crap. Man, it I was, really missed out. Yeah, it was really, really <laughs> cool. And there was like, Waga was right down the street. Laga was where the IGA supermarket is. Okay. On Forbes. Gotcha. Well, there was actually, there was two venues there. Laga was on the third floor and there was the upstage, which had smaller shows that mm-hmm. was on the, the floor underneath it. Okay. Um, and I'm getting the Pittsburgh history now. This is cool. I mean, like I, I never knew, I never knew that all three of these, I, I've heard these all been referred to. I never knew yeah. they're all in Oakland. Yeah. Oakland was like, Really, really, really cool. I got to see a good bit of it when I was younger because I had an uncle who is like a weirdo that like took me around when I was like 11 and 12, even younger, mm-hmm. because like my mom would just dump me at my grandparents' house and <laughs> my uncle was like the weirdo that never moved out. Yeah. And then like they would like basically like dump my grandma would kind of like dump me on him. And then, like, I just he would just like take me out because like he knew I was into like metal and shit like that. So yeah. he would just like take me around all the weirdos. Hell yeah! So That's I got sweet. to see a good bit of that stuff, but unfo- I wish I was like a little bit older. Yeah, because I didn't like get to like go crazy, but I still got to see some of it. So yeah, fortunate. Yeah, I wish I was around a couple more years. Would been nice. That's all good. We got new stuff. Yeah, there's still <laughs> stuff going on. Yeah, but I think that it. I don't know, though, in my head, if it's, like, my childhood memories kind of making it seem like it was so much bigger and cooler than it really was, or if it really was that much different then versus now. Yeah. Because I don't don't feel like we have any sort of a community place now, kind of like that, where – shows are going on every weekend and people will go regardless of who's playing and just hang out. Yeah. But we don't, there don't have that. Like all of the little venues that we have around Pittsburgh and all the DIY spots are very like genre segregated. And then even within yeah. those genres, there's like sub genres of clicks of people that mm-hmm. only go to certain shows. And it's not like a whole thing. Yeah. The scene is huge, but it's just like, it's split up into like these very small percentages. No, that's, I mean, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, I mean, I think, like, the DIY community, as much as much cool stuff is coming out of it is, and as inclusive as, uh, as everything is talked about, um, it can be, it can be so inclusive that it sort of does the opposite thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think, like, yeah, I I know what you mean about the we there have a lot of venues, the scene is is huge. Um but they're not very well connected and yeah, I th- I think I've I've noticed that. It's I mean it's I don't know, it's, I think it's kind of indicative a little bit about Pittsburgh and how it's laid out. I mean, we're a, we're a city of neighborhoods that are physically connected, but there are people who, you know, live in the south side and that side of the river who never want to go across the river and go elsewhere and, uh-huh. and vice versa. People who live in the east end don't want to cross the river to go to, uh, you know, the, the north side or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So, like, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff that, like, you hear about and you're like, man, that's so weird. It's <laughs> that's super such weird, a weird for me. I think, that, 
I think, but I, it's easy for me to say that because, and maybe you too, because I play in multiple bands mm-hmm. that are like different genres that are already playing in different places because of that. Yeah. And then also like with Sykes and like you probably can do with Swiss Army, I'm able to play like different types of shows. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier for me to bounce around to different venues and different parts of the city and see a lot more of it through yeah. just me playing out than maybe the normal person. Yeah. Cause like I would, I get it if I was like, if I only played in one band, just like I play metal shows and then just hang out at home. Maybe I wouldn't ever want to go out of my way to go see some rock band, some indie rock band. I think that's true. But like I remember, fuck, um, whenever, before I was playing in bands super, super heavy, mm-hmm. I ended up seeing, I went to a show, um, I saw Orbs. Do you remember, do you ever, have you ever seen Orbs? It's a, Dan Briggs from BT Bam's side project. Oh no, but I want to. Now. It's yeah, <laughs> it's um yeah, it's Dan Briggs, uh, one of the dudes from Fear Before March of Flames. Um, what's her name? This girl, her name, I think her name's Ashley, but she played like she did like keyboard work with Abigail Williams and Cradle of Filth and yeah, all this stuff. But they have like a really awesome like indie rockish. I don't know. It's another like genre, hard to describe type of band. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, lo- I'm trailing off. Check out Orbs. Orbs, yeah. Orbs. That sounds great. Um, they're awesome. But anyways, I saw them play at the old Roboto in Wilkinsburg. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I went to the show was because it's like, oh, this is the dude from Between the Barrier to Me and the girl that was playing keyboards with Cradle of Filth. And yeah. I'm like a metalhead guy at the time. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go see this band, even though it's like kind of like weirder rock stuff. Um, this local band opened up for them and they were so fucking good. Yeah. And I don't remember what their original name was, but they eventually changed their name to Worn Out Tigers. Oh, cool. Um, I don't, were you familiar with Worn Out Tigers? I've heard that and that name a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and they like blew me away and I was yeah. like, if I wouldn't have come to this show, I, I wouldn't have ever seen this band. Yeah. And then I ended up going to other shows that that band was playing Mm -hmm. and finding out about more cool local weirdo rock bands. Yeah. The gateway drug. Yeah, exactly. So then that's just like, that actually introduced me to, I had met like a whole new subgenre of people Mm -hmm. just from starting to go to those shows and like seeing like a few like mutual friends of friends being like, Oh, Hey, Hey, blah, 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 blah. And then just, yeah, there you go. That's ended up in killer old fears because of that because yeah. i like ended up because orbs came through town again and i ran into matt very there mm-hmm. it was just like oh hey like i know you because i met you once because i was wearing a girl fight shirt and you talked to me yeah and, you know just like that like really simple just communicating through local band bullshit right he was like yeah this like hardcore band we need a singer and i was like i'll come try out yeah and then that was and the rest if i never history. yeah if i never would have just went out of my way to follow those other local shows. I love that kind of stuff. Might not have worked out that way. I think that's dope. So outside of being a musician, what do you do? Do you have any other sort of creative outlets, you know, drawing, painting? Are you into like collecting? Maybe model trains? I don't know. (laughs) Surprise me. What do you got? Uh, I'm afraid it wouldn't be very surprising. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any model trains. Um, 
I've I recently I fell victim to the Pokemon Go thing. Oh, so did you? I I went to my mom's house and tried to find my Pokemon cards because I became very interested again in those and I realized that I sold them all <laughs> when they didn't <laughs> the first time they didn't matter I sold them. Uh and now that they've come up again I I'm very bummed out. Um yeah, I don't know. I uh I mean I work I I work in in, a, in the events industry too, so I'm sort of always around I'm around different kinds of events like Comic-Cons and um uh, and, and stuff like that. Um, so I'm getting more exposure to live events in general, um, aside from concerts, which I think is really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's pretty much in my, when I'm not working, like in my free time, I am, I'm writing or sending emails that have to do with my bands, uh, trying to get people to listen to us. Yeah. do that so it's kind of like all music all the time uh for me um but yeah that's kind of it uh i'd started a garden in my backyard nice uh for the first time in my entire life uh and it was going great until this gopher ruined everything uh did that really happen yes yeah yeah (laughs) wow i had i had great i had Great success for a first-time gardener. I had a lot of cucumbers. <laughs> I was picking lettuce out of my backyard to make salads. Uh, I had tomatoes growing. Um, and then we inherited a, a nice new neighbor um, in the form of a small brown furry gopher. And he just ruined everything. They ate all of our plants, and now he lives under our porch. So I'll probably garden again, but I'm always going to have this as my first experience for gardening. So... At least you did it. Yeah. You set out, you made it happen. It was, yeah, it was a weird thing at first. I'm like, I'm at a store, I'm at a landscaping store buying dirt. I'm paying for dirt. (laughs) I've never in a million years would think I'd be buying dirt from anyone uh, when the world's full of fucking dirt. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, like, it was such a weird like out of body experience for me. Same thing. Like if I have to buy a wallet, I don't believe in buying a wallet. That seems ridiculous to me. It's too meta or something. Uh Um, and, uh, but yeah, like buying dirt and buying plants and stuff. I mean, this is weird, but I'm going to try it. Uh, and it's very therapeutic. I got home from tour and the first thing I did was I didn't even walk in my house. I walked to the backyard and watered all my plants and pruned them and stuff. So it was very interesting. I'm learning new things about myself every day. That's awesome. (laughs) What was eating that first salad like? Uh, It was great. I was. Was it weird at first? Were you like worried? Yeah, I was like, "This is dirty. This is from the ground." And I'm like, every thing, every like fruit or like salad that you get, the leaves that's they're from the ground. You're just not. You're just not the one plucking them. Mm -hmm. Um, So and you uh, you don't know whose hands been on that lettuce you've been eating. Yeah, I know. And and like now I know. (laughs) Now it's oh, it's mine. Uh (laughs) This is my lettuce. yeah, it's weird and cool, um, and it tasted very good. Which I was worried that like somehow my land has been had been tainted, and it probably was just going to taste like garbage. And this was all for nothing. Uh, so <laughs> I, f- I filled a bowl of lettuce and threw a couple tomatoes and cucumbers and croutons in there, and pour some. Did you grow out. the croutons? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> crouton tree in the backyard. I just shook it a little bit. Um, I wish that's how that worked. If bread grew on trees, it would be insane. 
I would be the happiest person in the entire universe. <laughs> if like, I mean, I guess, like I guess really, well, I guess really like if pizza grew on trees, it would be phenomenal, but like, I can never, you know, that can never happen. Neither can bread. Um, making bread would be great, but that's the whole thing. Maybe I'll make bread next. Look but, forward to hearing about you making bread. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but the gardening thing's cool. It's therapeutic and it's it's it has the same effect as writing for me, which was weird. I could spend hours out in the backyard and not realize it. Um, so that's new this year. This year is gardening. Next year might be something else. Who knows? Who knows? We'll have to <laughs> find out. Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's a good point to wrap this up then. Yeah, that sounds good. I was going to get into like some talk about how you mentioned uh sending emails and like handling the business acts business aspects of being a yeah. musician. But you know the boring what? Adult you started stuff. talking about gardening and it just felt way more relaxing. I don't think I want to talk about sending emails. Yeah, yeah. And being a I, businessman. I just got sending a bunch of emails, so I think like I was in garden mode after that. I was like thinking about my tomatoes and like chilling out a little bit. But yeah, I mean I'm always I'm always sending emails. I'm never not doing that. So, yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming over. It was good doing a face to face finally. Absolutely. Thanks and, for having me. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll stop recording, but probably still sit here for a minute or two. And Great. we are done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Brandon's a good dude. His bands are awesome, talented. You should check it out. If you haven't, click the goddamn links in the description. And yes, I will be back again sometime soon. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening!